Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. The Cubs have been playing some very good baseball as of late. They swept their rival, the St. Louis Cardinals, last weekend. They were riding a seven-game winning streak. Unfortunately, it was snapped on Monday, but then they walked. Uh, they won again on an epic walk-off by Chris Bryant on Tuesday night. So we're going to talk a lot about their good play, but. But we're also going to get into a lot of news surrounding the Cubs and the Cubs organization. So we're going to have a lot to talk about. So stick with us. Adam, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. It's good to be back on the show. Uh, thanks to Cody Zelmendo for uh, filling in for me last week. Had a family matter uh, that I had to be a part of. Uh, and it's good to be back. Well, we're glad you're back. And uh, yeah, again, thanks to Cody for coming on. He always does a very good job when he comes on, I'm sure. He'll be on again soon. A very good colleague of ours here at Fansided's Cubby's Crib. Okay, so there's a lot to break down today. As we're recording this podcast, it is Wednesday night. The Cubs and Marlins are playing their third game of the series at Wrigley Field. Uh, But today there is a lot of news to talk about before we get into really any of the team's play itself. Pretty much the biggest elephant in the room is Addison Russell is making his season debut with the Chicago Cubs tonight. Mm-hmm. He served his 40-game suspension uh, that started last year due, the, due to the uh, domestic violence. He played a few weeks in AAA Iowa, got some reps at second base, and then is now in the Cubs lineup at second base tonight. Um, and we have a few guys who are being put on the IL and restricted list. Pedro Strope is on the IL, and that's kind of a tough blow considering he was the closer until just the other day. Unfortunately, that did not go well, but I guess I can't help but wonder now if that bad outing had something to do with his physical state. We also have Ben Zobris going on the restricted list. There are some personal matters that he is working out We're not going to speculate anything. We don't know what's going on, so we're just going to leave that be. And then also Mike Montgomery is back. So he's been activated, and he will pitch for the first time since, I believe, the opening series. Because he was there in Texas, and then he went on the IL soon after that because he was having problems with his shoulder in spring training. Probably should have never been called up in the first place, but he seems to be healthy and back. But that's kind of the big news of the day. Um Adam, I don't know really where you want to start with this conversation because, look, you and I have talked about Russell and the issue many times and how it is very uncomfortable for a lot of people here. Um, I can say that at least they're keeping Baez at shortstop. Because remember, you and I talked about how he was going to fit in with this team when he inevitably came back up, and it seemed like nonsense to replace Baez, and they haven't done that. You think that... Maybe he stayed in AAA a little longer because of that to get reps at second, because that's kind of what it seems like to me. Yeah, probably. I mean, we, we both had agreed uh, in, on our last show that Baez defensively is the better shortstop. He's, he's the much better offensive player, too. I mean, he's he's far superior to Russell in that regard as well. Uh, my feelings on the Russell situation really haven't changed much. I mean... Uh, a lot of Cubs fans, especially on social media, believe that the organization has been really weak in their handling 
of this situation. And that's that's where I tend to disagree because I, I really truly believe that cutting him and, and being done with him for good would have been the easy way out. I mean, that let's be real here. That would have been the easiest thing to do. I mean, by keeping him, they, they knew full well keep, by keeping him that they were going to face some pretty severe backlash from the fans. They knew that. I mean, it, it's, it's not like anybody's surprising them with this. And so in that, in that respect, I, I can appreciate that they're doing what they believe is right uh, while knowing they were going to catch hell for it. I, I can respect that. Um, you know, having said that, you know, Theo has said multiple times, and, and I really believe that, that he's serious about this, that Addison Russell's return to the Chicago Cubs is not unconditional. And that, I mean, I his, would hope his, not. No, and 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 I I I I believe that he's telling the truth with that, and uh, and I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. He says that he's making strides, and that his family and friends and teammates are happy with the progress he's making. I hope that's true. I I can't know for certain, uh, but I I believe I believe in redemption. I do. I believe that people should get second chances. Um, and I guess my question to people who think that he should have been shunned a long time ago is, what should Addison Russell be allowed to do? I mean, he, he, he should still be allowed to make a living, right? Well, I think where the debate comes in, and you know, I don't want to spend too much time debating anything, because I know this is such a sensitive issue, is I think it's the severity of punishment here, because, look, that those accounts were absolutely horrifying and disgusting, and Frankly, I do not like seeing him in a Cubs uniform now or ever. But well, you know, and that's fine. You know, I I'm I'm not here advocating on behalf of Addison Russell's character because, frankly, I don't care for the guy. Uh, I I don't I don't like the guy right as as it is right now. As from what I've heard, uh, he sounds uh, a lot like a guy who still has a ton of growing up to do. Uh, but that said, even even people we don't like. Even people we dislike deserve a chance to reintegrate into society uh, if they if they want to if that if they if they really are giving effort uh, in their second chances you know uh, th- there's plenty of people I don't like that i I think should have the chance to become better members of society again I mean one of my hopes really is is that at the end of the day the Russell's family it you know finds closure and is able to heal and is able to move on i mean that's that is one thing i think that can get lost is that we really have to you know have our feelings out for melissa reedy and the children and anyone else yeah. who was involved in this uh, you know they're very important in this they're the most important people in this and you know their healing is is something that is should be in everybody's minds like you said, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. I have no idea how far along they've come. I really don't. Um, but, you know, I can tell you right now, I don't like Edison Russell. I don't like that he's here. I think that other measures should have been taken in terms of punishment. Do I think that the Cubs should be involved with rehabilitating him? Yes, I think just ghosting him after that may not be what is in best interest of the family and just the well-being of the family with him. Um, but, you know, maybe other measures could have been taken. It's 
you could go on and on about, you know, what could have been done, what hasn't been done, you know, the approach of some things. Um, I don't always like how Joe Madden has approached this in the public eye. I think him being very dismissive of, well, I didn't read it. Anyone can make anything up, uh, you know, back last September. You know, I, I had a real problem with that. I think, you know, that was during the investigation. And, you know, I like Joe Madden a lot, but the way he's handled this Russell situation, I, I think could have been better. Um, kind of being very dismissive about it, I don't think was the right approach. But, you know, behind closed doors... Well, I mean, who, who knows you know, what's happening, but... by the same token, you know, that's that's not a situation anyone actually prepares for either. I mean, I I, I agree that he, he, he could have handled that better, but, you know, who knows? It's easy for us to say that when we've never been put in that kind of spot. Well, yeah, it's it's not an easy situation to be in, but I think you can anyone can say better than you know anyone can post something online. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, I just I don't think that's the right thing to say. And I think no, he he could have chose he could have chosen wiser words. Yeah, I, I think you know if if it were me, I would have just said, look, there's an investigation going on, and until it concludes, I won't say anything. That's probably what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would have been the best way to go, and you know, look, you, you don't have, you don't have to like Addison Russell, obviously. That's just, you know, being being supportive uh, of a second chance doesn't mean you have to like Addison Russell. I don't care for the guy either, but I still I still believe he should have a shot at redemption, and that's that's basically that's basically it, you know. And we we see it all the time. We see it in all all sports, all levels, NCAA, you know, they, all, all kinds of people get second chances after doing some pretty heinous things. And I am a firm believer that people can change. I really do believe that. And they're not going to change if you don't give them the opportunity to. Yeah. Now, do I really want to see him redeem himself on the baseball field? Not necessarily, but do I want to see him redeem yeah, himself as a person? Well, I mean, yes. he, he can't he can't redeem he can't redeem his character on the baseball field. I mean, that's uh, I'm not. I'm talking play. I'm not gonna, like I'm not going actual well, numbers and that's stats. What, that's that's what I'm saying. Is 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 as long as he is going to be here, then yeah, I want him to play as well as possible. But 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 that should be but, the focus. The focus should be well, yeah, his that's, character that's, that's off the I'm, field. That's I, what I, that's if he what, doesn't that's do what it, I'm trying to say here is that hitting 300 isn't going to isn't going to make everything better. I mean, if if he's going to play, then I want him to play well. But putting up good numbers isn't going to isn't going to uh, take people's attention away from the fact that he he's got to be going to therapy and and right. doing everything he can to uh, amend his relationship with his family. I would never in a million years try to suggest that that good numbers could w- would redeem his character. No, no, and you know what what I was saying to that point was is that you know you and I both see the priority of. Redemption as a person is much more important than a number on a field. Yeah. You know, it's of course I've, I've never disputed that. And I don't think many people do. Having said that, I think that a lot of people, I think a lot of people on social media, especially are white knighting this. I really do. I think that it's, I know that a lot of people really genuinely do feel strongly about this. And I know that you're one of them. And, but I also think that there are a lot of people who are just being really sanctimonious and holier than thou, and I have no respect for that. 
I, I mean, yeah, sometimes I think that um, if you are going to, you know, be adamant on this issue, I mean, show you really care about the issue, and I think a lot of people have, but, you know, sometimes someone will stand up and be like, oh, look, they employ Addison Russell, screw them, my team would never. Well, that's completely missing the point. Well, that's where that's where this whole thing is, is just a little bit more nuanced than people care to believe is uh, take me for example somebody who believes that addison russell should have a shot at redemption uh a lot of these people would then say that that i have no compassion for melissa reedy and the children which couldn't be further from the truth because i think both things can absolutely be true that i can feel terribly for the family and and want what's best for them while also believing that Addison Russell can become a better person while playing baseball. I think that both of those things are true. And frankly, it's not, you know, it's, it's not uh, some schmuck on Twitter's place to say what's best for that family. Well, I think, you know, what you're trying to say is what I get, what I perceive your message as is him redeeming himself is what's best for the family, for their sake, for the children's sake. For his ex-wife's for sake. For everyone's sake. For, for everyone's sake. sake. Yeah. For the chil- for the children, for Melissa, and for him too. For everyone involved. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly. That's I think sometimes, you know, myself included, have to remember that the people we really want to care for in this situation are the members of his family. I mean, those those young children, his ex-wife. You know, they were the ones that fell victim to this, and they are the most important people here. Right. And I, I again, I can't stress this enough that my my stance on, on him being able to have a second chance doesn't mean that I'm a fanboy of Addison Russell, because I'm not. I'm absolutely not. I think he's a really immature guy who's got a lot of growing up to do, and I hope he does it. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what we could say right now. Um, but yeah, a- Addison Russell's back, and Mike Montgomery's back um, on a team that's been playing some pretty good ball, to say the least. Let's talk about Chris Bryant. Let's... The guy who struggled throughout the first few weeks. He is killing the ball right now. He hit a walk-off three-run shot last night. Into the wind. Off a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Those balls that he was missing, he's hitting those now. And I think that he's got something like five home runs in the last 10 games. Well, he's is, up to six on the great. season, so... Yeah, yeah six, we... six homers and 23 RBI. I mean, 23, home, 23 RBI to go along with just six homers is... I mean, that, that means that even without pop earlier in the season, he's, he's still producing at the plate. And if you hadn't watched any baseball all season and you got on baseball reference and looked at his 250 batting average, you wouldn't be impressed by that. Uh, but the context of, of where he was two or three weeks ago tells you that, yeah, he's absolutely been mashing the ball lately. But look at the other numbers next to that. A 381 oh, those, those, on those numbers. Yeah, those, I mean, those numbers have, have always been good. Even Even last year when he was injured a lot and in previous seasons where he had uh, you know, little streaks uh, where he wasn't very good on base has always been terrific. I mean, that 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 aspect of his game has has never been bad ever. The slugging has always been pretty good too. Uh, and th- 
yeah, I mean the hits the hits were a little slow to come to start the year. Uh, I, I mean, and even a two fifty batting two fifty is not a bad batting average. That's I mean that's perfectly fine batting average. It's not superstar level, uh, but Chris Bryant is still a superstar. Uh, and I think that his his slow start was frustrating mostly because uh, it's led some people to to speculate as to whether or not he is fully healthy or not. And I think this past week, week and a half has put that to rest. Well, yeah, I mean, there was concern over the shoulder or long-term effects of getting hit in the head. And we saw him swing and miss at a lot of pitches, usually crushes. But he's not missing those. You see a lot of his outs. No. They're hit well too. Well, he, and he, you know he's hitting the ball in the air more. And his his swing his swing looks really good right now. It looks smooth. I mean, la- last year midway through the season when he was having some injury troubles, before that was really out in the open in public, we even said you know something looks a little bit wonky in Chris Bryant's swing. Yeah, maybe. Uh-huh. And right now it looks really smooth. It looks like MVP Bryant swing. And he's not pressing because I no. think there was a week or two where he was just really pressing. Now he's taking those borderline pitches uh, that are outside the zone and walking. He's taking some of those pitches down the middle and driving them. And he's falling off some really tough pitches that, you know, sometimes he would swing and miss or he'd foul off. You're seeing just a lot of positivity coming from Bryant, even when it doesn't result in the hit or getting on base. I think that says a lot. He could easily have five plus more hits over the past few weeks. We've seen him get robbed a few times or, you know, it's hit right at someone. But the contact is there. The OPS plus is up to 131. The slugging is above 500. It's at 508. We mentioned the on-base percentage. He's got 11 doubles right now um, through, let's see, 32 games, if you don't count tonight. Um, He did walk tonight so far. There's more in this game to go. But you got to love what you're seeing. And I think that Mm -hmm. there's a reason the Cubs have been playing so good. There's a reason they swept the Cardinals. There's a reason. They're gelling. And part of it is Chris Bryant being good again. That's a huge part of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I know that I've always kind of been one of those, uh, you know, not totally old man yells at cloud when it comes to advanced stats, but I, I, I'm also not one of those guys who just totally disregards batting average or ERA, you know, traditionally the big stats that people now are a little more dismissive of. But when, but when you look at, at the rest of his numbers, 381 on base percentage, 508 slugging percentage, the batting average is going to come up, you know, that's going to even out guys who get on base at a 400 clip and, and hit the crap out of the ball. Don't end the year hitting 230, and Chris Bryant's not gonna either. And I don't know the the way he looks right now, and his mindset of of wanting to come back from a lackluster injury riddled 2018. I think he could break his own personal home run record this year. You think so? Yeah, I think this could be a 40 plus year for him. Well, I'll tell you what: if he keeps getting in a groove like he is, uh, you're gonna see a lot more fly out of the ballpark and. You know, it's not like he's getting cheap, quote unquote, cheap aid. You know, aided by the wind. Well, no, I mean, runs. He he's crushing them. The wind, the wind was blowing in hard last night. Yeah, and that home run he hit the night before, where they lost six to five, and that was a bomb. Yeah, they're they're not cheapies, and and I don't think anybody ever really 
uh, it was under the impression that that most of Chris Bryant's home runs were cheap anyway. No, no, I'm just I'm just pointing it out at, at how hard he's hitting. I think I read somewhere that his exit velocity the past few weeks has been among tops in baseball. So it goes to show that if he's in tops of exit velocity, he's hitting the ball hard. That's a good thing. Yeah, and that's that again, that just tells you that that some of the lower numbers on his stat line are are going to they're going it's going to even out. It's going to it's going to start looking more like the Chris Bryant we've uh, gotten used to. So there's another player I wanted to talk about, one that we often talk about on this show, and it's somebody I wrote about the other day, and that's Javier Baez, who so far is off to another MVP-like season. Uh, Going into tonight's game as we're recording, uh, you know, stats may change uh, after this game when you listen to it, but going into tonight's game, 321, 356, slugging 657, in OPS north of 1,000, and 11 home runs. Yeah. Picking up right where he left off. And then some. And then some. He I he looks even better this year to start, I would say. I, I mean, think so. That, that 356 on base percentage is, is the most impressive number in that stat line, I think, because it, you know, his, his career high is 326. And obviously, I don't think that Javi Baez is going to finish the year hitting 321. I think it'll probably end up being more like last year, be like somewhere in the 290s. I agree. And and so and so his his on base percentage naturally is. I don't think he's going to end at 356 either. Uh, but it, that's still an improvement. That's still an improvement. 356 uh, is at least that's a good on base percentage. Whereas last year 326, that's not bad, but it's it's merely average. It's just. You know, it's just league average. He's not going to walk a lot, and and you know, I, I, it doesn't really bother me that he doesn't walk a lot. That's that's not his play style. He does so many other things that other players in the league can't do. That it, it's fine that he doesn't walk that much. But the fact that he that he is walking at a little higher clip this year uh, is a good thing. I think. I mean, that's it shows that he's he's his game is still progressing a little bit. I feel like we're seeing a lot less of those really crazy swings and misses where the ball's like a foot in front of the plate or mm-hmm. it's like a foot he's above still, his head. Every once in a while still You'll has. still see it, but he, he, he less. Still, he still can occasionally be weak on those uh, those down and away sliders. Yeah. People, he, every once in a while, he still falls victim to those with two strikes, but not as often, not nearly as often as last year, the year before. I mean, in, in almost every aspect of his game is improving to some degree as time goes on. I mean, that's, that's, that's noticeable just even by the eye test. And he's, man, he is, he's old school on the base paths, the kind of stuff that he's, that he's doing on the base paths, taking risks and being super aggressive. That's something you don't see a lot of in major league baseball anymore. So it's really cool to me that the Cubs have a guy like that. I'd like to see more of it across the league because it's exciting. It's exciting to watch. I mean, that's, I know people are so starved for home runs. Uh, I, I think, a steal is more exciting to watch than somebody pimping a homer. I mean, Javi well, Baez, he does it. It's pretty yeah, remarkable. Yeah, st- stretching singles into doubles and stealing home. Those are the kind of things that really get me excited watching baseball. 
And so if 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 somebody else is in the same boat, then Javi Baez is the guy to watch. And he gives you everything. He gives you the power and he gives you that stealing ability. I mean, the mm-hmm. guy, his speed, he has 12 doubles already on the season. He's got a triple. Uh, so that's a good number of extra base hits on top of the 11 home runs. He's nearly a five-tool player. Yeah, he really is. I mean, that's what's really remarkable about him. But, hey, his OPS of 1.013 going into tonight's game was only second among qualifying batters. You know who number one is? Yeah, it's probably Yelich, isn't it? I mean on the team. Oh, 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 on the team. Number one OPS? Uh-huh. Should I know that? You probably it's not, should. It's not, not Bryant. No. It's uh, it's contra- it's Contreras, isn't yes. it? Yes, it yeah, is. That's yeah. He's just. I a should little, know that because tired. because he's he's like my this whole season. He's the one I I've been rooting the hardest for. I've so badly wanted Wilson Contreras to just have a monster year this year. Well, so far, it's and got he a is. percentage of 442, OPS of 1.098, and he's one home run off from tying his season total yes. last year. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I hate to say, is it Chili Davis? I mean, if you, you look around at Mets Twitter, oh, God, Mets fans are ready to be done with him already. It's got to be. There's got to be something there. there yeah, there, there, there has to be. Yeah, it, it just can't be a coincidence that it was nearly everyone. I mean, Baez was, was the only one who who went in a different direction. Everybody else had a pretty substantial loss of power. So, yeah. But Javi was just being Javi. He was just swinging away and making contact. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. Chile may have helped a little bit with striking out. But overall, I think, you know, that hard swing was not Chili Davis. I think that was Javi being Javi. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, there's no argument for me there. But I just love what this Cubs team is doing slugging-wise. I mean, you look at the home run totals. You have one in double digits. You have mm-hmm. two on the verge of double digits. Uh, you got Contreras and Rizzo. And if Chris Bryant keeps going, look out for him. And Still kind of waiting to see Schwarber hit some more out, but uh, I think we're seeing an improved approach there. Let me let me also say this about Wilson Contreras, mm. and and uh, I I don't I don't really have any numbers to back this up, but me personally, just from the eye test, it kind of looks like his pitch framing is a little bit better this year. I'm not saying it's it's miles ahead of where it was, but it do, it does to me appear to be a little better. I know what you mean. I know there are metrics to measure it. There's a whole website that is just dedicated to yeah. pitch framing. Uh, I don't, uh, but I, based on the eye test, I kind of agree. I just don't. I don't know. I think defensive uh, defensive metrics as a whole. I don't know that they're in a great place right now. I don't know that they're entirely reliable. You know, even even WAR. I don't think is the end all be all of stats like some people. think think it is too because I mean you occasionally you see a pretty big spread between war on fan graphs and on baseball reference and so that's you, you know what I mean it's a really useful tool but also has a ways to go I think 
getting off getting off topic here, but but the no, eye test, the eye to test tells about. me that that Wilson is improving a little bit there, uh, and his his uh, his arm strength, you know, throwing to second base is it still looks top notch. Uh, eye test there tells me he's one of the better catchers in the league in that regard too. So it's interesting that you bring up uh, Contreras, the pitch framing, and just these advanced metrics. I think um, with pitch framing, it's easier to measure pitch framing by like the use of heat maps and all that kind of thing because you're actually seeing where the ball lands, where it's caught, what's being called or not. Um, But it's interesting that you bring up defensive metrics because I agree it can get a little wonky there. I like metrics like defensive runs saved because that pretty much shows, okay, is your defense preventing more runs or has the lack of defense caused more runs? I think that is something that is useful, but there are other defensive metrics that may not always be the most accurate indicators. Right. Sometimes, well, I mean, there's, there's so many things going on on defensive plays. There's so yes. many factors that it, it's, it's hard to put all of that into a number. Right. You know, Players have different ranges. I think you can have a guy who may not have a lot of defensive runs saved, but he doesn't make mistakes. Like, here's a good example. Like, John Jay. When people think of John Jay, they think, oh, really good defensive outfielder. When you look at the defensive runs saved, the metrics aren't necessarily there, not just with DRS, but with others. But you say, okay, maybe he doesn't make a lot of ridiculous plays that save a lot of runs, maybe because he doesn't have that strong of an arm. But when the ball is hit in his general direction, you can count on him on catching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's kind of the same. People complain about Albert Almora a lot, too, about his speed. But just from the eye test, he looks like a great fielder. I think the speed thing really is just it, it like affects him on the base paths. It's weird, but in the outfield, yeah. he looks very capable. Uh, I don't know uh, what the deal just, is there. Just, but. just in general, Albert Almora gets too much hate from people. I mean, it, it's he's not a world beater. People talk about him as if he should be a superstar. I mean, he and, was and, a highly and, touted prospect. But. He, yeah, but I mean, the the ratio of highly touted prospects. Uh, to to highly touted prospects that go on to be superstars, you know, it's pretty uneven. You know, if you're a highly touted prospect, there's there's a better chance that you're not going to be a superstar. You know, and the Cubs the Cubs had so many of those that they didn't need everybody to be a superstar. And I get people being frustrated that you know that he's not going to be the star player some people thought he was going to be, but but. You know, the same token, he's not a bad baseball player either. He's a, he's a solid player. He's a solid player, and I think that's all they need him to be. But people people act like he needs to be, an, you know, excellent from 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 uh, uh, hitting against uh, right-handed pitchers. And you know, I just I just don't get it. I I I think that he has some flaws. He has some weaknesses. But for what he is and for what the team needs, I think he is perfectly fine. Well, the one thing I will say is I don't like him batting leadoff. I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean. He doesn't walk. He swings at the first pitch a lot. He hits a lot of ground balls. The hitting has not been there at all this year. I like him more as a platoon defensive guy. If if that's how I see him, then all right. And I think some people are just frustrated with, 
we kept out more instead of going after Christian Yelich or Lorenzo Cain. But um, there's nothing everybody. you can do about he that can't now. Get everybody, he can't have everybody you want. But uh, I mean, I like him in center field because I think that Jason Hayward is much more comfortable and much more valuable to the team in right field. Oh, I agree. No question about it. And you know, here here's something that I've always said uh, that some people agree, some people don't agree. This is. I love Joe Madden. I, I think he's a great manager. I think he, he gets doubted far too often. I don't think that of the millions of people on Twitter that criticize him, I don't think a single one of them could do a better job than he's done. Uh, I do wish, however, uh, that he would have a more consistent lineup, especially in the leadoff spot. I wish that it would be pretty much the same thing day in, day out. I, I know, and I know that you know Bryant Rizzo Baez in two three four. That's that probably won't change all year, and I like that. I do think that the leadoff spot is one of those though where you should find your guy and have him be the guy. And I think that that helped Dexter Fowler and the team out a lot in twenty sixteen. Uh, well, that's that's the I, problem. I think, Who is that guy though? Who well, is it? Yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah, that that this situation right now, it's you know, it's a little different. There isn't a clear cut guy. Uh, I just think that when you when you find that guy, if you leave people in the same spot in the lineup for most of the season, it, I think they're more easily able to develop a rhythm than if you're kind of juggling everything all the time. And I get that, but I, I, again, who who would that guy be on this team? Who are you going to bat lead off every day? Well, that's that's the thing is that that's for the the Cubs. The Cubs situation is tough and. You know, like I said, there I don't know that there really is a clear-cut guy that should be there. Because Dexter Fowler was that guy day in day out. He was, yeah. We don't have him anymore. At one time, I I was was kind of wondering if Javi Baez could be that guy. Uh, mm, he probably no. doesn't walk. He probably doesn't walk quite enough to be a leadoff no. hitter. But my 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 thinking there was is that. There's there's really hardly anyone in the league more dangerous on the base paths than Baez. And so if he gets on base to start a game, then there's already an enormous amount of pressure on the pitcher in the first inning to be on his game because he knows that the, the slightest mistake or even a second of not paying close attention could result in him being on third base in the blink of an eye. I think there maybe there's something to that, but... That that ship is that's long a little sailed. too Alfonso that, Soriano. That, that to ship me. is long sailed, and at this point, he's playing so well that he's the cleanup guy, and I think he should be the cleanup guy for the rest of the year. Right, and you know Rizzo has shown to do a lot of cool things in the leadoff spot, but let's be real: Are you going to bet bet Anthony Rizzo in the leadoff spot no, all season? I'm, I'm no. old school in that regard too. I'm I'm not putting the big first baseman in the leadoff spot either. No, and you, you know, know and you I, could do it I, for a short time, but not the long, yeah. long term. I, I know that you know it's the, the leadoff spot is is not viewed the way it traditionally always has been, but I still like to to see uh, a little more speed in your in your leadoff spot. I think the closest speed. thing you can get to like a leadoff type hitter every day, the closest thing right now would probably be like Jason Hayward when you think of it, because, you know, he's, he's hit very well so far. He's taken his walks. He's a smart base runner. You know, he's not going to beat you incredibly with speed like Ricky Henderson, but you know, he's faster than Almora. 
Well, I think they, I think they, they've tried that. I mean, well, they're doing and, it tonight. And, and it, yeah, I know he's in the leadoff spot tonight, but I, I, if I recall, they actually kind of made him the leadoff guy his first season with the team. Well, which obviously, obviously didn't work out at all. I don't necessarily think it was because well, he was in the was leadoff spot. What was going to happen in his first season is he was going to lead off before Dexter Fowler surprised everyone and came back. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but, you know, as you remember, he struggled a lot last season, that first season, 230-some average. And, oh, did he? How but, you know, know, now you hear it every day. Yeah. Even I, though he's... I was being... Sarcastic. I know, that's... I'm being sarcastic, too. But you know what I mean. Uh, here. Who, I, who else... I don't really have anyone else. Ben Zobris isn't an everyday player anymore. If he was, that'd be a different story, but he's not. No. So, I yeah, mean, it's just one of those things. I, uh, I think that's just the... It sucks. I wish they could have an established everyday leadoff guy, but I think you're right. I think the, the reality of this team is that there isn't. That guy isn't there. It, it, so, you know... That's that's just their burden, I suppose, which which is fine because it doesn't appear to be a pressing issue. Uh, I mean, the, the lineup as a whole seems to be gelling together very well. And by the way, if anybody, I guess this isn't live, so this doesn't matter. But Baez just tied the game with a yep, nice single. single, nice yep. single to center. OK, I got a question for you. This okay. kind of relates to center field. People have talked about this uh I know it may sound weird, but I'm just going to ask it. The Marlins currently have Curtis Granderson on their team. Yeah. He's 38. He's ancient. Would you consider later in the season, if you are indeed contending, which hopefully they are, would you consider bringing him on as kind of like an Austin Jackson type thing where you can have him play some outfield have him kind of be that veteran presence, a guy that can still probably take some walks, be decent on base, not hit for you much, but, you know, just kind of be that next veteran outfielder. Because a lot of people brought him up saying, you know, maybe that could be kind of a fit. Obviously not as an everyday guy, but you remember when Austin Jackson was here in 2015. Mm-hmm. Would you be okay with something like that, I guess I should ask? Absolutely. Why not? I mean, there, there's really there's the great thing about uh, those kinds of deals is there's really there's really no risk. There's no downside to that. I mean, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and you're not in any different position than you were before. And if it does work out, then great. I mean, and we 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 say the same thing about veteran pitchers too. And I think the same thing applies to to fielders as well. When you come on to a contending team, things change. You know, even if you say you're you're giving 100% effort throughout the season. When you're toiling on a team like the Marlins, you, you just subconsciously find it hard to be fully motivated when you know that it's all for nothing. That changes when you are all of a sudden playing for a team that has a great shot to win the World Series. And so, yeah, if if a guy like Curtis Granderson is available and the Cubs think that, that he can be of value to the team, then I'm 100% on board with something like that. And, you know, I feel like Curtis Granderson could give this type of team just I feel like his presence would be really welcomed because he seems like a great guy 
on and off the field. Yeah. And he's a Chicago boy. Bring him home. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's going to have to hit a little better than 177 by the time uh, trade deadline rolls around if, if he's going to be if he specifically is going to be in consideration, but, but yeah, I mean, those teams do that kind of thing almost every year for a reason. I mean, even if he is not hitting very well, I feel like if you got him for like a pack of gum and you just, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, there's no risk. And, and, and when you get traded like that, I mean, it's almost like your season starts over. Yeah. It same season, but it still, it feels kind of like a fresh start. If you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's it'd be something interesting that to keep an eye on. Uh, I I think no matter what Curtis Granderson's going to end up on a contender is that kind of role whether it's the Probably. Cubs or not. I could see it. I could and, too. And let's face it, Curtis Granderson and Starlin Castro are like the only names on this team I recognize. Yeah, I mean I mean Neil Walker too, I guess. And He's, Neil Walker. Yeah. Cup killer. Yeah, but but the rest of this the rest of this lineup the rest of these guys it's it's quadruple A. I gotta say though that kid Caleb Smith, who was once in the Cubs organization, I think he was a Rule Five pick by them. He's been really good, and we saw that last night. That that Caleb Smith kid is going places. I don't know if you saw that game, but if you look at the kid's numbers, he's pretty dang good. Yeah, but what's it going to amount to in the long run, though? That team. He'll be traded away for exactly. two packs of gum. To exactly. And Derek Jeter will end up uh, not being pleased with the results, even though he's the one pulling the strings. Well, and you, that's why you keep an eye out for guys like Caleb Smith, because you're like, okay, you know, here he is on the lowly Marlins now, but if a contender goes after him and acquires him, then, you know, obviously he's going to get a lot more attention and somebody that other teams will be looking out for. That's really I, the only guy right now that I think teams should look out for. Yeah. Because, you know, I, who else are they going to trade for value at this point? I've I've wondered how long, how much longer it will be until Marlins fans revolt and rebel against Derek Jeter. But then I remember that Floridians don't give a crap about baseball. So I see, there's like three people in the stands there on average. Yeah, and they they just don't care. I I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird. I I just don't think people in Florida care about baseball that much. Well, I think the people who do are retirees from other places. Think about all the people who are probably like Yankees or Boston fans that retire down south of Florida. Yeah, ship them ship them off somewhere else. Ship ship the Rays and the and the Marlins somewhere else, somewhere where fans actually want some baseball. I do feel, though, the Rays would do a lot better attendance-wise if they played in a more convenient area in a better, I don't know, like, stadium, to say the least. If Yeah, if they didn't play in a gigantic, oversized toilet of a ballpark. Because here's what I've noticed. When that's, the Rays that, have... It's not, not even just baseball. That's, that's one of the ugliest-looking professional sports venues ever. I it's mean, bad. that's... I don't know who engineered that. I don't know who designed that and all the people that had to green light it, but I don't know. It's it's truly mind-blowing to me that they built that and said, this is cool, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's It really awful. is a disaster. It, and it's, it's in a terrible location from what I've heard. 
That yeah, that that I don't know about. That I haven't heard anything about that. Because like I from what I've heard it's in like the in the area outside St. Pete where like it's kind of a hike to get to. At least that's mm-hmm. what I've heard. So if you want to watch a ball game, are you going to go out of your way to go to a really crappy stadium or would you build something more in downtown area, a much nicer facility? Because I mean, in Tampa Bay in the St. Petersburg area, they like their sports. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a solid following. The Tampa Bay Lightning have a solid following. And I also, I don't know about you, but when I see the Rays on the road in nearby areas, you see people out there in Rays gear. You see those TB hats. I mean, nowhere near like Cubs, but you do see them. So I feel like they wouldn't be like top in attendance by any means, but I feel like their attendance would be significantly better if they played in a better stadium in a better area. The Marlins, on the other hand, get out of there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, then we go back to the Marlins, though, because I don't it's just perplexing to me that in a state that's warm year round, that that people aren't more into baseball there because the Marlins have been good and they've played and granted, whatever, wherever they were playing before this Marlins Park, it didn't it wasn't anything to brag about either, but it was a whole lot better looking than the crap pile they're playing in now. Yeah, it's. Still at least better, though. Remember when they played at Dolphin Stadium all those years? Oh, that was ugly. <laughs> yeah. It, it, better than Moreland's Park. Better than the current state of Moreland's Park. Did they get rid of the statue? Did they, I notice that? Yeah, I think they uh, they moved it outside. It's not in oh. the ballpark anymore. Somebody, but uh, it somebody, is gone from there. Somebody said something about them being like contractually obligated to leave it alone and that they couldn't tear it down even if they wanted to. But, you know, that's it's just something somebody said on the Internet. And God knows if there's if there was any truth to that or not. But, man, what an ugly freaking sculpture that is to just. Well, it was God. also kind of like you, if you're a fielder right underneath it and the ball goes out, then suddenly there's fireworks and sparklers and like water cannons and fire shooting out right above you it'd be like oh i don't want to be under that thing yeah the the whole vibe of that park just looks awful to me and i I don't know i'm starting to believe that having baseball in florida is just a mistake in general hey at least it's nice for spring training for the grapefruit league yeah i mean that's maybe that's all it should be good for and again, because there's that's where all the Yankees and Red Sox fans go to, and there's a lot of them down there. I just where I would just argue, where would you ship those teams off to if they if you could relocate them anywhere? Both of them? Yeah, either of them. You know, I've had this conversation before with other people, and it's it's interesting to think about. Some of the cities I've thought about are Las Vegas, uh, maybe like. Uh, Maybe a San Antonio or maybe Portland. Those are kind of the ones that I would start to think about. I don't know about you. Portland would be interesting. The most popular answer, it seems like, among people is is not even in the United States. Montreal. They, they, all, they all go with Montreal. But, yeah, I mean, Canada doesn't need more than one baseball team. One of my favorite dodgeball lines that we watched last night, separating the awkwardly feminine from the possibly Canadian. Oh, uh, you're watching dodgeball? 
Last night I was. Last night I was. I love that movie. Yeah, that's it's just almost every line in that movie is just so great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, but the scene where they're like, "We're missing Steve the pirate." Who's Steve the pirate? The only guy on our team dressed <laughs> as a pirate. Wait, there's, there's the guy in our team dressed as a pirate. It's. It's one of those movies my dad and I have both said that like when it's on TV, it's hard not to just watch the whole thing the rest of the way through. It's... Oh, you know, I thought about you the other day, too, because Big Lebowski was on TV. Oh, uh, yeah. Big Lebowski's another one that I just can't. I can't flip past the Big Lebowski. I don't know. I can't. I, I can't count how many times I've seen that movie. And I probably reference it close to every day. It doesn't help that that most of my close friends are also giant Lebowski fans. Same with me. We talk so, about it all the time. And th- there's just so many lines in that movie that you can apply to to your everyday life. It it like some of those quotes just fit in so well with whatever you're doing, whatever stupid thing you're doing. It, it it's I don't know. That's I'll I'll probably I'll probably be quoting Big Lebowski every day till the day I die. The scene I turned on was uh, right when uh, Jeff goes to uh, Maud's house and that one guy is sitting at the uh, the chair and he goes, want something to drink? And he's like, yeah, yeah white Russian bars over there. Bars over there. Who's this guy? So you're <laughs> Lebowski. <laughs> Friend of Maud's. <laughs> that laugh. It, it just, it's just great. <laughs> Man, I, I could spend hours and hours talking about the big lebowski i could do an entire show about just that unfortunately this show is pg and the big lebowski is not not pg so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to talk about many things in that movie without becoming an r-rated show ourselves that's so, true when walt when walter's destroying the car that that gets me every single time. When you find a stranger too. in the Alps, is this your homework, Larry? <laughs> is this your homework? Yeah, you can't watch you can't watch that movie on basic cable. It, you have to you have to be able to watch the the, the director's cut of unedited. Of course, version. it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work without the vulgarity. It just doesn't work. Of course not. Of course because not. Because the, the, the genius of it is that they don't rely on the vulgarity to be funny. It's just part of it. You know, which because some some movies and shows do rely pretty heavily on the vulgarity aspect of it to be funny. This is just a funny movie that has a ton of vulgarity in yeah, it. Yeah, you can't really. rely on vulgarity. You have to use it in a smart way. Yeah, I, and that's it, what the Big Lebowski does. It's it's almost kind of funny how overboard they go with it too, because at one point or another, it, it did have some sort of record for f bombs in a movie. I'm not surprised. I don't think it does anymore, and I think actually I think what, South Park movie broke that record. Oh, it might have, and I think actually what what first broke the record uh, was actually a documentary about really. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if that's true or not. That's something I'd heard. I have, I have nothing to back that up at like, I want to believe it because that's a cool story to tell, but I, I, I've never actually looked that up because I don't want to find out that I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. But back to the topic we were talking about relocation, obviously Montreal is a very big one. Uh, is there any place that I didn't mention or Montreal or not Montreal that you, you could well, think of? I, I don't know. I think that 
I think that most of the, the major cities have, have pretty much got it's Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't have a baseball team. No, Nashville no. does not. No, I mean, yeah. they're kind of a hodgepodge of Cardinals, Cubs, Reds. Yeah, they're they're tweeners. Um, maybe maybe New Mexico. You know, I could. Nah, I don't know if you could slap a team into like Santa Fe. Uh, Here's an idea, though. Salt Lake City kind, in Utah. It may be kind of close to like Baltimore or DC, but. What about Carolina? Carolina's got the Hurricanes. They got the Panthers. Like Raleigh, Car- North Carolina. Carolina. Carolina could work. And actually, I, I was I was kind of a Carolina Panthers fan when I was a kid. Really? I, yeah, I really liked them a lot. It was it was only because that uh, I had gotten a, a Steve Smith jersey. I don't know if you remember Steve Smith. Oh, of course. From from his Panther days when he was yeah. a Carolina Panther. I got a Steve Smith Carolina Panthers jersey for my birthday once when I was really young, and that was kind of what turned the tide for me. I, I went from you know, playing little kid stuff with toys to, to really becoming a hardcore sports fan. And so for, for a long time, for many years, I was a, a pretty dedicated Carolina Panthers fan, and I, I followed them really closely. I knew everyone on the team, watched every game I could, which wasn't very many because I live in Nebraska, and, you just, and we, we, we've never had like the NFL Sunday ticket or anything like that. And there's, there's not a whole lot of Carolina games being broadcasted in Nebraska only if they're on like Monday night football or something. But I, I think a team could work in Carolina. Then they, they've got yeah. enough, they've got enough neighboring people too, that I think would be, you would, you, that could work. That's definitely, it's a good possibility. I mean that I, if there's a place on the East coast to go to, I would think that's the only reasonable place to go to, right? Everywhere else. Yeah. That's notable has a team, DC, New York, Boston, you know, yeah, maybe Georgia. There's nothing. There's nothing in Georgia. Yeah, there is. Oh yeah, Atlanta. I I very briefly forgot that the Braves existed. I'm sorry. Sorry, Braves fans. You know what's weird about the Braves fan base? They I feel like they have more fans scattered around the country than they actually do in the city of Atlanta. Because yeah, remember that's... when they were on TBS all those years? Yeah, I mean they're they're a classic team though. They've they've got cool history. I've probably told you this before that actually our next door neighbors are diehard Braves fans. Oh really? Here here in rural Nebraska, yeah. Well, I mean they probably watched the games on TBS all those years because we're we're always like spatting about uh, Greg Maddox as a Cub. I mean we know that Greg Maddox's legacy overall is with the Braves, but it's fun to argue about it anyway. And we all know that Greg Maddox loves Chicago more than any other place. He's said so. Just saying. Hey. But yes, uh-huh. his legacy is probably more known in Atlanta. Maybe maybe they should put a they should throw us a real curveball, no pun intended, and put a team in like Montana or North Dakota <laughs> where they just be like doomed to fail, I think. Rapid City, South Dakota, and like their logo could be Mount Rushmore. They could have their standing right next to Mount Logo Rushmore. Logo be Mount Rushmore, but then what do you you call them the Mount Rushmores? You call, call them the South presidents. Dakota Mount the Rushmores, South, the, the Rapid City presidents. Presidents, eh, man, I don't know that. That'd be I, a very minor league team. Denied. Man. That that really would. That does have a very minor league vibe to it. Well, doesn't it. Rapid City have a minor league team? I think probably. I think. Every single city in the country, it seems like, has a minor league team. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think they'd ever get a major league team, but I thought there's, they had a minor no league There's no shortage team. of minor league teams. Yeah. Because North Dakota, actually, uh, North Dakota Fighting Sioux Hockey, that's a very popular program. So, you know, I feel like the Dakotas do have some sports fans, but I don't think they could ever maintain, like, a major league team. No, they just don't have the kind of population, I don't think, that could support a professional sports team. Hey, the three heads on Mount Rushmore would be diehard fans. I'm sure. If you hit one of the Mount Rushmore heads, it counts as two home runs. <sighs> I'm I'm quietly shaking my head at you. Oh, come on. These are great ideas. That's... You know, it's funny. When I visited there, it was 03, the summer of 03. So we all know huh? what happened in 2003 with the Cubs. And that was back uh, when yeah. WGN was broadcasting all over the country. So we would be in our hotel room flipping through game after game. And then the Cubs were on. And I believe when we were there... Do you remember the series at Wrigley Field in 03 where Kerry Wood beat Roger Clemens, who was going for his 300th win, and uh, Hesop Choi fell on the ground and hit his head, and he had to miss the rest of the year, and they won 2-3? Do you yeah, remember that series? I know I know what you're talking about because I, I know of it, but I, I don't remember watching that at the time because I probably wasn't because I was 8 years old. But I do I do know what you're talking about, though, yeah. I just remember because we were in Rapid City, we saw a snippet of that. And it was kind of a big deal around the country because obviously there are a lot of Yankees fans around the country. There's a lot of Cubs fans around the country. And the Cubs and Yankees going into 03 had not played each other at Wrigley Field since uh, the 38 World Series. So, And Roger Clemens was going for his 300th win. So that was a really like popular occurrence in the world of baseball that weekend yeah. so it's being it's talked about all over good bit of baseball history for everyone there so as we kind of go into that baseball history why don't we end our show with our uh, former cub we would like to talk about is it your turn well i went the past few times it? you but, have well i went last week with cody oh okay yeah i, I guess i i forgot that so you guys still did it then with cody who was it last week I don't remember. Oh, did oh, is a Matt Clement? Jeez, wowzers! You remember, you remember Matt Clement? Do I have to? Yeah, he was solid. Man, of all the guys to to remember, he um, was pretty popular you know what, though. Let's, let's I feel like we haven't really done a classic yet. You we, have we, one. We've done some. We've done some good ones from recent memory, and some obscure ones, uh, and some really, really recent ones. Let's do a classic. I'm gonna, okay. This we're gonna. This week we're gonna go with Billy Williams. All right, sweet swinging Billy Williams. I like it. Probably one of the most popular Cubs ever. At least top five. Gotta be. Yeah. It, Hall it would of be, Famer. Yeah, it would be a crime to not have him in in the top five of all time. So, yeah, you could go on his baseball reference page and you just it's, take one little quick look and you see, yeah, I see why long, he's a Hall of Fame. Yeah, he had a long, he had almost 20 year career, I think, didn't he? He played for a long time 18 years. Yep. 16 of them with almost the Cubs. Almost all of them with the Cubs. Yep. With the last two years being in Oakland at age 37 and 38. But let's face it, who the hell remembers 
him as an Oakland A. No, yeah, it's maybe Oakland A's fans that were in their prime in the, the mid seventies. <laughs> That's know? about it. If, if uh, that'd be a hell of a thing to say. Oh yeah, I saw Billy Williams playing for Oakland in nineteen seventy five. So here's a little Billy Williams quiz for you. See if you could answer this question. Okay. What year did he win the batting title? Uh, 1965? Nope. Much Six- later. 68. Nope. 73. Very close. 72. Yep, that's it. So that year he batted 333. And uh, he had an OPS of just over a thousand. He slugged 606 and 37 home runs, 122 RBI. Not too shabby. And if you like God. OPS plus, that's an OPS plus of 171. Boy, it's a it's a shame. It's a shame Cubs fans didn't get to see that in the postseason in the World Series. Man, how fun would it have been to watch Billy Williams that year? Yeah, man, it's it, it pains me to think about all the years they wasted, all the the great players they had that had to just waste away on the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, Billy Williams in his final year as a big leaguer with Oakland. That's for the second to final year was the only time he played in the postseason. That's that's impressive him having a year like that because I because he wasn't young when he did that. He he was in his he was in his mid thirties when he did. He that. was thirty four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. So Billy Williams batted 300 or better, better, one, two, three, four, five times. And uh, three of those times, he was over 30. Little fun fact for you. That's nuts. Let's see. He's he's, he's 80 now. Billy Williams is 80. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, he looked pretty good for himself when he was at the World Series rally. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, he looks like he's taking care of himself. Absolutely. And I'm sure I'm sure he's sad that he didn't get to celebrate the World Series with uh, you know, Ronnie and Ernie, but you know, at least he was able to see it and Ryan Sandberg was with him uh watching and many other Cubs greats like Fergie. He played with Fergie all those years. Um, and a lot of those 69 Cubs guys, but, you know, it's just too bad that uh, Ernie and Ronnie were not there to see that. But Billy was, you know, next to Mr. Cub was probably the most important Cub on those teams. Yeah, yeah, I, I, Billy's Billy's right up there. I mean, never really thought about what my top five would be. I mean, you, Ernie would be number one, and then you've got Billy in there. Probably got to have Ron Santo in there. Uh, maybe Fergie. Did you put Fergie Jenkins in your top five? Yeah, he's got, I mean, you gotta, I I feel like if you have a top five in a franchise, you gotta have at least one pitcher up there. Uh, and who, yeah, maybe, ah, man, uh, w- would you put Ryan Sandberg in there too? He, he may, he might be like a fringe guy. Because yeah, there's he, also guys... easily, easily in the top 10, top five. I don't know. I mean, in popularity, no question he's top five, um, if you're not counting anyone from this era. But there's, you know, there's some guys from like the old days that sometimes you got to think, hey, Hack Wilson was hitting home runs 
almost as much as Babe Ruth. Oh uh, yeah, those really really old guys like Gabby Hartnett. Yeah, yeah. I think about it. Gabby Hartnett probably hit the most significant Cubs home run in history until recent yeah. years. Yeah, they got some some really cool, interesting guys from way back. Mordecai Brown, three finger. Oh yeah, I mean the fact that he didn't have an index finger made his curveball even better. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But we can go on and on about these former Cubs, but we're just about out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. We had a lot of good discussions today. Adam, thanks for hopping on as usual. Anytime. Just a reminder, you could check out Cubby's Crib on Fansided. You could also check out this podcast on iTunes. So give it all the episodes a listen. Catch up if you haven't. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.